morning, everyone. Tuesday, March the 22nd. Bit of a soft session in the US overnight. Henry, good morning. And could you please give us the wrap? Morning, Ben. Um, yeah, I'd love to give you the wrap this morning. Last night in the US, we did have a bit of a soft a session, as Ben rightly says. The Dow down a couple of hundred points. But really, that was affected by Boeing, which was easier on the back of that uh, tragic plane crash in China. So uh, we had to see that one play out. But that certainly knocked the Dow down around 0.6 of a percent. It was down two. 200 off its lows of 400 down. NASDAQ not doing quite so badly, down 0.4 of a percent, and the S&P 500 actually unchanged. But apart from Boeing, the other news of the night was Jerome Powell was speaking at a uh, conference and started talking about 50 basis point rises to rates if they were needed because inflation was running too hot. So that did spook the market a little bit in the US. Our bonds here have gone absolutely nuts this morning. Uh, they're up to 2.69% on the 10 years. So uh, we are seeing bond markets, the yields rising dramatically. The other news overnight was commodities. Once again, they are pushing higher. Oil was the big gainer last night, up over 7% to 115 US a barrel for Brent, which is the common benchmark. Gold not doing too much. It really was the oil story. We're seeing gains today in our oil stocks. We're also seeing gains today in uranium. Overnight, we saw news that Russia is contemplating a ban on exports of uranium to the US. And of course, the US and other places does use a uranium from Russia and also from Kazakhstan, which is a country that comes under the influence of Russia in their power plant. So that's pushed up stocks like Paladin this morning to around uh, 9.5% higher and the rest of the uranium stocks also following in its wake. So it's been a pretty good start to the session. We had the SPY up 80 points and I was a bit ho-hum about that, thinking that was a little bit optimistic. But as we stand at the moment at 10.37, we're up 86 points with BHP, the biggest gainer there, up 4.2%, which is 29 index points on its own. And interestingly, I was watching CNBC this morning. BHP was actually mentioned by one of the talking heads as their preferred mining stock to own as a diversified mining player. It's not often BHP gets a mention on CNBC. Something to consider, the S&P Metals and Mining Index is at its highest level since August 2011. So that's uh, mining and banks today propelling the market forward. Industrial is not doing too much. Over to you, Ben. Thank you, Henry. It's a good day to have a market that is pushed around by miners and banks compared to the uh, US and the our counterparts overseas. So thanks for that, Henry. I'll throw back to you in a minute to get uh, more from you on what you're writing today. But before that, Tom, what is happening locally? Thank you, Ben. I'll keep this nice and short. As Henry pointed out, the ASX 200 is off to another good start. On the corporate front, New Hope has declared a special dividend as coal prices soared and their interim is 17 cents, a special dividend of 13 cents. And for some context, the interim dividend, which was all they announced last year, was at only 4 cents. So a really big jump there for them. They're up about 10%. Sounds like it could be maybe ringing the bell on coal potentially. And uh, we'll come back and look at that. Possibly. A very good day to be a New Hope shareholder. Maine Pharma has had some management changes and Borrell is expected to take a $23 million hit from the rainfall events in New South Wales. And they are down about 6% in early trade. On the economic front today, we've got the RBA governor, Philip Lowe, appearing at the Walkley Awards, but unlike Jerome Powell, I don't think we'll get a market-moving announcement. We're not even sure if he is speaking. The key word the RBA used was appear, so we're not sure if he will actually be speaking. We haven't got much clarity on that. Elsewhere, the 
ANZ consumer confidence fell about 5% last week to its lowest level since September 2020 when Victoria was suffering its second COVID wave and Blackmore's is trading ex-dividend. And that's about it. Thank you, Tom. And while you're at it, do you want to give us a little insight into what's in the SPI section today? Thank you, Ben. Yeah, so looking at the Aussie dollar and energy at the moment, the Aussie has broken out of its downtrend, closing in on 74 US cents. We've got more hawkish tilts from the RBA expected and commodity tailwinds. So we should expect to see the local continue to firm retailers and travel to sectors that tend to benefit from a higher AUD. And look at the energy sector. As Henry pointed out, oil was up 7% overnight as European leaders mulled a ban on Russian imports. And the main takeaway, and we spoke about it yesterday as well, Ben, is that until inflation is under control, we are going to see commodities continue to perform. So that's the point to make there. Very good. Thank you, Tom. Hayden, any broker stuff of interest from you this morning? Thanks, Ben. Just a couple to go through this morning. Ordmanet has a buy rating for Webjet and they've advocated a buy into weakness approach there. They've got a target price 35% above the current share price. And Macquarie Group, Morgan Stanley is overweight and they've got a target price of $245, which would be the highest that it's traded at. Previous high was just under $216 and it's currently trading at 197. So the target price implies a 25% upside. It's already up around 12.5% since the start of March. It looks like it's in a pretty strong uptrend. That's all I've got there. You, ben. Uh, very nice. Thank you, Leighton. That's an interesting one. Uh, Henry, back to you. What have you got in Henry's take today? I've got a, a few things in my take today. Just uh, talking about Iron Ear, which I added to the portfolio a couple of days ago uh, in advance of talking to the CEO and MD, hopefully on Friday for a podcast. Stock's up another 6.5% today, so that one's going quite well. But just outlining some of the reasons why I like Iron Ear and comparing it to some of the stocks that are more advanced in in terms of uh, their production schedules and their construction of their mines. So with mining stocks, there's obviously certain catalysts about re-rating, certain events that make investors uh, get a little bit more comfy and be happy with the risk. And of course, that is part and parcel of investing in mining stocks, going from exploring and drilling to making decisions with uh, bankable feasibility studies, preliminary feasibility studies, and FID, final investment decision, then building the mine, then actually producing the stuff. So there's a lot of milestones along the way. Uh, Iron Ear, uh, I've listened to a couple of presentations that they've made and an interview that MD Bernard Rowe did with uh, my friend Kerry Stevenson, which is well worth listening to. And certainly there are reasons to be cheerful in that one. So happy to uh, be long that one looking for 70 cents. The other thing I'm talking about today is also a uh, biotech. I don't usually talk biotechs, but uh, talking about Immutep, which had a good run yesterday, was up 8%. The stock code there is IMM. Uh, They have 358 million dollar market cap and they are involved in immunity therapies using lag three checkpoints now don't ask me about the science but it's a way to boost the immunity system to beat cancers and there was an fda approval for uh, something that bristol myers squib used in the us which involves these lag threes and immutep has a big portfolio in this space so certainly one to watch speculative buy from me uranium stocks also in focus today i talked briefly about that on the back of the russian moves and also 
just the effect of higher oil prices on the petrol pump. Households now on average spend $300 a month on petrol, and that is going to rapidly increase if we continue to see $115 oil. And as a result, that will hasten the push towards electric vehicles. That lithium space will continue to attract attention, so much so that in China, uh, the authorities there gathered together a bunch of battery producers, various other companies involved in the electric vehicle cycle, and were talking how they could get prices more rational for lithium and other imports into the electric vehicle side of things. So clearly they're worried. At the moment, the market doesn't seem to be, but certainly lithium is a good place to be at the moment. And that whole battery tech will be hastened by higher oil prices. And that, Ben, is about it from moi. Great stuff, as always, Henry. On the push into lithium, I was talking to a friend last week, I think, and he said his father, who fairly successful, so there's certainly a money element there, went to the petrol pump and filled up his car and it cost him $200 or whatever. And that was almost enough to get him to drive straight to the Tesla dealership and buy a Tesla that day because he just couldn't stomach that much from petrol. So I think you're right. There's going to be certainly more focus on lithium and the uh, renewables and battery tech kind of element. The the interesting thing as well is that uh, Tesla and many other car companies in the electric vehicle space are having to put up their prices for their vehicles. I think Tesla had the second price rise for the Model 3 in a couple of weeks recently because of the price of commodities, cobalt, nickel, and of course, lithium that goes into those batteries. So it is swings and roundabouts. The cost of an EV is is greater, but then of course, the running costs are lower due to the fact that you're not filling up with petrol and you're also not doing the same sort of maintenance you have to do to a petrol engine. But um, I've got to say, I'm a petrol head, so. Yeah, and it also seems that if there's too rapid a take up, the supply of the recharging stations outside of the home might be a bit of a, a sticking point as well. We've seen some images of big lines for charging points in the US with the petrol. Yeah, yeah, that, that certainly is an issue. In India at the moment, they are trialing a lot of battery swapping where you just pull into a, a battery swapping station, you pull out your battery and you stick in a freshly charged one, much like you would do at home, I guess, with your electric drill or, or your lawnmower or that sort of thing when you've got two batteries. The problem is that in India, it's a very much a gig economy. A lot of people running around on electric scooters uh, delivering stuff. Same happens here to some extent. And being having to be beholden to finding a charging station that takes you hours to charge up your scooter so you can do your Uber Eats delivery, kind of taking you out of the food chain there. So you're not making any money while you're charging. So this is going to be another big thing to take hold is this whole battery swapping technology and the ability to do it quickly, cleanly and cheaply so that you can move on with your gig quicker. Yeah, very interesting. There's certainly a lot to play out there. On to the question of the day, which is the question that Henry posted in the Facebook group yesterday. So we've all had a bit of a think about it. And that is, if you could short one stock, what would it be? Tom? I've gone one that's already quite heavily shorted. It's Polynovo. It's got an ugly looking chart down more than 60% in the last year, yet to make a profit, loss widening and low sentiment. Thank you, Tom. Layton? I've gone with Magellan. I think there's still a lot of negative sentiment there. And looking at the chart, it's not really showing any signs of turning around. Nice. Henry, what would your stock be? Well, Ben, it's hip to be square. I would be looking at Block or Square or the artist formerly known as Afterpay as a short. It's had a massive, massive 60-70% run from its lows. You know, I think regulation is coming. Competition is still huge. I know that now they've got more than uh, more than just a buy now, pay later side of things, but it has run very, very hard. So for me, that would be a good one to short. Very nice. And I am going with Temple and Webster, uh, which yeah. has had a very good few years, up 350% in the last couple of years. It's, up, it's lost 50% from the top of its trading range. So it's already fallen out of favor a little bit. But the key 
key thing with it is it's sitting on a 95 times PE and it's forecast to stay high over the next couple of years around 60 and then 40. And you compare that to some other retailers, which is what they really are. And that is extraordinarily high. Adairs is sitting on 13.6 times. Nick Scully is sitting on 12 times. And even if you look at it more as online marketplace, Kogan style, Kogan's only sitting on about 20. So it is very expensive compared to its peers and competitors. So that would be the one I'd be hitting. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. See you, Henry. Thank you, Ben. See you guys.